You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, Episode 16. Okay, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Maritime Gardening Podcast, and uh, yeah, this is episode 16, and Greg, how are things going today? It's mid-August, and Mm. it's a great time to have a garden. Today's episode is tomato-tomato. Cool, nice. Um, So I assume you've got some tomatoes growing in your garden. Yeah, I think a lot of people grow tomatoes. I yeah. just I was out there today. Uh, I've been away for a week. I was in right. Ontario for a week. Yeah, during that hot spell. That mm. just goes to speak to the the value of having uh, a good mulch in your garden. So I was gone for a week. Mm. Didn't water the garden the whole time, um, and the garden had not been watered since uh, June. Amazing. No, no. That being said, when I got back, I did water it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I didn't know if it was ever going to rain again. It right. Like a, sort of, I should water this while I still have water in my well. Right. Um, but thankfully today it it did rain. It's been raining the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so everything was still alive and looking fine. And uh, now I'm trying to keep up with all of that. And uh, that's another thing I want to talk about today. Sort of, you know, when your gardens starting to really produce uh dealing with all of that yeah okay uh, well but we'll start off talking about because uh, i was in there today and there was all this work to do with regard to tomatoes and i thought well that's i imagine a lot of people are in that situation sure. various stages I and mean, i was in ontario visiting my wife's relatives and um, some of them live in toronto they had tomatoes seven feet high in toronto wow I don't think anyone's got seven-foot-high tomatoes here in Nova no. Scotia right now. I, I could be wrong. If you do, let us know. <laughs> what did you do? Yeah. Well, if they have them, they're either in the valley or they're growing them uh, for a portion of the season under uh, under glass or something. Right. Say. right. But, I mean, in Toronto, the heat was, oh. Astronomical. It, it was like you could fry an egg on your face. <laughs> <laughs> That would be interesting. It was something else. It was yeah. just like you know, unbelievable. Well, I, I was thinking we had it hot here, and you know, everybody's complaining, and and then I talked to people from Ontario or down south in the U.S., and they're like, "You don't know what hot is." No, if you didn't have air conditioning, you might die. I don't yeah. know. It was, it was unbelievably like we spent two days in Toronto taking the kids to see this, that, and the other thing, and it was mm-hmm. just. I mean, if you weren't inside, it was just. Uh, just like a desperate situation, like yeah. out of this, we have to find some shade. We have to hide from yeah. this. Lots of water. Yeah, man, yeah. it was it was hot. It was hot, and the sun was like a a brightness that. Uh, and I, I lived in Ontario for a number of years when I was in university. Yeah, um, I don't seem to recall it being that extreme. The heat, not just the heat, but the the intensity of the sun. Yeah, I know. I know what you're but saying. Yeah. I just wanted to run from it. It was like being out in a desert somewhere. You yeah. Know, in the middle of the, you know, um, I remember Lawrence of Arabia, the movie, and there's a, a scene where a fellow gets stuck in a part of the desert called the Sun's Anvil. Okay. <laughs> That's how I felt in Toronto. I was like, on the Sun's <coughs> Anvil. <laughs> I believe uh, it. Anyway, I believe it. I digress. Yes. So, um, 
that's good for tomatoes though if you can keep them watered. Um, so I came back here and I have my tomatoes. So uh, let's talk about tomatoes for a bit. Uh, what I want to talk about is um, pruning your tomatoes to keep them healthy, to optimize your yields, and um, possibly to accelerate your harvest depending on the variety you have and so on. Mm -hmm. um, and first, I guess I should talk about categories. So mm -hmm. generally speaking, there's two kinds of tomatoes. There's what they call indeterminate tomatoes and determinate tomatoes. Um, indeterminate tomatoes are tomatoes that I assume are sort of the more natural state of tomatoes, the wilder state. Indeterminate tomatoes are tomatoes that grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Right. And they don't stop growing until the season shuts them down. So the frost comes and they just can't live in that cold and they die. Mm -hmm. But they'll keep growing. That's You have to stake them and you can train them up trellises and train them up this, that, and the other thing. But they'll just keep growing and those are the kind of tomatoes you can get seven feet high and so on. Um, determinate tomatoes are probably more popular, certainly in this part of the uh, – uh, and part of Canada and possibly this part of the world where we are zone five um, because uh, determinate tomatoes, they grow to a certain height, maybe two, three feet high. Okay. And then they just stop growing. They don't grow anymore. That's why they're called determinant. Their, their, their height is determined. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's the exact etymology, but anyway. They, Sounds they grow, good to me. grow to a certain height and they stop. And as soon as they reach that height, they switch over to producing the fruit. Um, and, and once they've produced all the fruit they can produce for their height, they just die. Okay. So they tend to have much shorter growing season. They produce the tomatoes sooner. Mm -hmm. So if you're in anywhere with a short growing season, like, uh, you know, generally speaking, we have here, um, where it's, you know, sort of Northern and cold, um, it's in, it's, it's in your interest to have, at least some of your tomatoes, if not all of them, be determinate varieties because that way you know they'll get red and ripe before it gets cold. Mm -hmm. um, indeterminate tomatoes, they tend to take longer to um, be mature, longer to produce fruit, and longer to ripen. Right. So if you're only growing indeterminates, um, depending on the variety, of course, because, um, I mean, cherry tomatoes are indeterminate and they tend to you know, produce and ripen soon, but right. other kinds of indeterminates like a brandywine tomato, it's an heirloom variety. Um, they might not ripen at all. Mm -hmm. So you might just have a ton of green tomatoes at the end of the season. What do I do with these things? Yeah. Um, so I like to have both varieties in my garden, indeterminates and determinants, because that way the indeterminate, the, the determinants get the fruit early. So usually sometime in August, you start getting nice red tomatoes and you can enjoy them. Yeah. And then later in the fall, if you're lucky, your uh, uh, indeterminates start producing. And you can use those to eat in your salads, but you can also, you tend to get a lot of them, so you can use them to make salsa, sauces, you know, you can can them. Um, and you might have green tomatoes just before the last frost comes. I'll probably do an episode on this perhaps, but, you know, if you know the frost is coming and you've got a lot of green tomatoes, you, you have to get them out of the weather or they're going to be wrecked by the weather. Tomatoes can't handle frost. Yeah. So there's a number of strategies, things you can do to uh, try to get them to ripen or you can harvest them and make something like a green tomato chow, which is basically like a uh, 
It's a preserve. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like tomato jam. It's I guess. good. It's good. And, and sugar and um, yeah, it's a nice. Uh, it's like a chutney. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I grew up with that sort of thing. Sure. Um. Anyway, so we've got two kinds of tomatoes: indeterminate and determinate. They both benefit from pruning, mm-hmm. and. So let's just step back a bit and talk more generally about pruning for anything, um, anything you're growing, especially fruit bearing, anything, any plant needs light it needs air and it needs space. Um, and it needs a certain amount of that regardless of the kind of plant you're growing to be healthy. So when you're pruning anything, what you're trying to do is ensure that there's light, air, and space. Yeah. So that air can get, you've got airflow, airflow can go through to dry things off. You don't want things just getting wet and staying wet. And you want light getting through to things as well. And that will prevent a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And the main problem that people have with tomatoes around here is blight. Yeah. Um, so anyone that has tomatoes, if they haven't encountered this, um, and I didn't really see it too. It wasn't a real problem for me when I lived in the valley in Wolfville. Now that I live near Halifax, uh, blight's uh, sort of an ongoing thing. It's just with me, and I, I've learned how to manage it over the years. Mm-hmm. You will notice the lower branches on your tomato plant, especially the ones touching the ground, will start to stop being green, and they'll start to turn yellow, and they'll get these black spot spots on them. Mm. And that's blight. So... Generally speaking, any branch you have on your tomato plant that is touching the ground or looks like it's got some sort of blight, you got to treat that like cancer. Mm-hmm. You don't just cut off the leaf or that little, you go right back to the main stem and you cut that whole thing off and you get it, you know, throw it in the woods All or right. get it out of there. Don't even put it in your compost pile, put it in your green bin or whatever, get it out of there. Um, any branches touching the ground, cut it off because it's going to get blight. Mm. Chances are high. And any branch that has any evidence of blight, a discolorment or something, cut the whole thing. you got lots of branches. So don't mm. worry. You know, there's this idea that, oh, no, I don't want to cut that off. I don't want to cut that off. Think of pruning a plant the same way you think about your fingernails. Mm-hmm. You don't feel bad because you're cutting off a bit of fingernail. Right. It's like you're, you're less likely to rip your fingernails off if they're properly cut. Sure enough. It's the same thing with the plant. You're not hurting anything. The plant's got lots of branches. All you're doing is you're removing branches that aren't getting sun. You're removing branches that are in contact with the ground so they can't dry out properly. You're removing branches that aren't getting, you know, just aren't doing well. Yeah. So they're, they're draining the plant of, of strength and energy that could be sent to healthier branches that are more productive. Right. Um, so, you know, always think of pruning as, you know, optimizing your plant, taking away things that are drawing from it and, you know, increasing the nutrients and energy that are going to the sort of healthier and more successful plants. It's triage, Mm -hmm. right? But no one's dying here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Same plant. You're just helping that plant be better. Right. Plants aren't people. You're not removing legs. No. They're just removing parts of the plant that aren't doing well right to favor the parts that are yeah and so you're pruned to prevent blight you cut off anything that looks blighted you cut off anything that's um 
touching the ground. And also, you'll notice uh, any kind of tomato, whether it's uh, indeterminate or determinate, you're going to have a stalk, just like a tree has a trunk. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have uh, branches that come off at like 90 degrees to the stalk. Yeah. And then you're going to have other branches uh, right at the base of where that 90 degree branch comes off the stalk. You're going to have a 45 degree branch come off the stalk. Mm -hmm. And that 45 degree branch is called a sucker. And that branch may or may not have time to produce fruit. But really, you want that 90-degree branch to get the energy. So if, if you see that 45-degree sucker growing out, just nip it off. Cut it off with a pair of scissors or even nip it off with your fingernail. Mm -hmm. um, but that branch, it's, it's unlikely that it will produce fruit. But even if it does produce fruit... You want to favor that big, heavy branch that's already there, the 90-degree the one coming off. Right. Um, favor that. That's going to produce way more fruit. That's, that's the winner. Yeah. Um, you want that one to be the winner. So, you know, it's, it's, if you have 30 tomato plants, you probably don't have time to do any of this. Um, and you're going to get so many tomatoes. And this is all about just optimizing your yield, okay? Right. But if, if you've got three or four or five or six tomato plants, then why not just spend, you know, uh, 15 minutes every two weeks nipping off suckers to optimize your yield. Yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. And if you've got lots of time in your hands, you can do all of them. You know, it's, it's just an ongoing thing. When you're in your garden, there's all these little things you can do. And that's, that's one of them is nipping off suckers and sort of pruning out branches that don't look healthy. Same goes for a, a zucchini. Sometimes the lower leaves will start to turn color and look lousy. So don't leave them on there. You know, if yeah. it's in color and it's not nice and green anymore, it's not helping. It's it's taking away. So right. Off and get it out of there. Yeah. Uh, you know. Let there's there's new leaves growing. There's new things growing. Let let the plant feed that new thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know. It's it's just 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 makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so um, get rid of your suckers. Another thing you can do if you have indeterminate varieties is you can. A determinate variety, or sorry, an indeterminate variety will keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing higher and higher and higher until the frost kills it. But another thing you can do to sort of stop it from growing up is to cut the top off, which is called topping, topping the main stem. Right. So as a main stem, just like a tree, and if you cut that off, it sends a message to the plant saying, stop growing. Start making fruit. It's over. Game's over. <laughs> it's fruit time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a typical practice is, you know, let's use a general rule of thumb here. Around the beginning of September, because let's say sometime between September 1st and the end of September, you know, if you're lucky, you won't get frost till October, but you might get frost in September. Right. You might even get frost uh, early September. So maybe, you know, really depends on what kind of risks you're willing to take. But if your plants are of a certain height and you want them to just stop growing and you want to get them to just change over and start making tomatoes and get that going, you top them. You cut the top off at the height you want them to stop growing at and that'll accelerate their fruit production and get the tomatoes going. Okay. So you can get more tomatoes out of the plant. You can get it focused on making your tomatoes before that frost comes. Hmm. 
So it's just called topping the main. If you Google that, to- mm-hmm. tomatoes, topping, topping main stem, that sort of thing. Um, there's lots of resources online about pruning. But uh, it's something I do, you know, usually around the last week of August because uh, I'm always optimistic. I think it's going to keep going till like September something. Right. But I'll top top my main stems. Okay, jigs up. You know, we're not we're not this yeah. growth anymore. I want to get my harvest out of this. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm not living in a fantasy world. This is no. You know, this is the Maritimes. It's yeah. It's cold. It's winter. You know, the fall's coming and yeah. Jigs up. <laughs> cool. Um. All right. And one more thing about your tomatoes. Um. You trellis when you're trellising your tomatoes. The same thing, the way you train that tomato, you want to train it to invite in light air and space. So don't jam them all together and don't feel bad about cutting branches off that just don't seem to be, you know, getting the light and the air and the space they need. Mm-hmm. Favor the parts of the plant that are going to get the resources they need. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, well, the point is that if if a part of the plant isn't getting what it needs, it, it doesn't have a future. Right. It has, you know, it's gonna it's, it's gonna suffer anyway. Like it's not, it has no future. Yeah. So by keeping it around, you're just you know minimizing the future of the other things. Right. So you know, don't feel it's just it's the thing gardeners have. I think it's just the nature of gardeners. They want to they want everything to grow. They yeah. don't kill. They don't want to kill anything. Right. <laughs> Right, right, yeah. Um, but really, you know, it's about getting a good yield. And at the end of the day, you're not killing the plant. You're just removing certain branches that are inhibiting optimal yield from the plant. Right. So, you know, don't you know, don't lose sleep over it. Yeah. <laughs> Have a yeah. stiff drink and start cutting. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be okay. Yeah, it'll be okay. The plants will be there tomorrow. And you'll notice after a couple of weeks, the plant will be like, oh, thank, thank you for removing all that. Yeah. So the same thing when you're um, when you're harvesting, um, you know, like a kale or a kohlrabi or some sort of green. You know, I've got my kale growing in a row, and when I see the kale leaves starting to get really big and casting shade on other kale plants, mm-hmm. well, that's when you know that's the time to harvest those leaves. So I tend to harvest in a way that's it's it's harvesting, but it's also pruning. Mm-hmm. So the two things dovetail, right? If you've right. got greens, when you're harvesting your greens to get a nice meal, harvest them in a way that is going to improve the productivity of everything that remains. Mm-hmm. Same thing when you're pulling your carrots. You know, when I, I got some carrots out of my garden today, I picked a particular row and I removed carrots that needed to be removed to make room for the other carrots, mm-hmm. right? So I was basically thinning out my carrots. Um, I was harvesting carrots to eat for supper. Right. But at the same time, I was thinning my carrots to improve the overall health of the carrots that were remaining there. Yeah. So that's your job. You're like the shepherd with the sheep sort mm-hmm. of thing, right? You're, mm-hmm. You've got this giant group of organisms and you're trying to do little things to um, you know, get the best out of them, maximize it. And there's a way you can do that so that that also dovetails with your food gathering right. uh, exercises. Yeah. So you're not wasting time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of the things 
this whole show is about that, you know, gardening isn't really hard if you're mindful about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Right. Try to set up all your activities in a way that complement one another. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, pruning tomatoes, that doesn't, you're not going to eat those branches, but I yeah. hope not anyway. But, you know, other plants like greens, you're, you're pruning them because it, you're not pruning, you're harvesting, but it's also pruning because you're allowing light and air to get to the um, parts of the plant that remain after you've taken off, you know, you know, you've taken off a, um, a leaf or two from a number of plants. Yeah. It's the same thing about like pruning apple trees. You're supposed to, you know, in a given season, you remove no more than 30%. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing when you're taking leaves off of a Swiss chard mm-hmm. or a kale or a kohlrabi, you don't take all the leaves off one plant. You take one or two leaves off this plant, one or two leaves off that plant, one or two leaves off another plant, and eventually you've got a bowl of greens to make a nice meal. Mm. Um, and the plant can bounce back and keep growing. It's got right. leaves left over to gather the energy it needs from the sun. Yeah. Um, but you're removing the leaves that were causing problems. Yeah. Um, so you're you're. It's a symbiosis. Mm-hmm. Right. You're. It's a symbiosis. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it's your symbiosis because at the end of the day, you're going to eat everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> for now, yeah. for now, you're cooperating with <laughs> Eventually, you're going to kill yeah. the whole thing. Um, but for now, it's a symbiosis. Yeah, they right, right. know your ultimate design yeah. uh, to eat all of them. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, and that's one other thing I guess I was going to talk about today is, you know, this is... August. So this is the best time of year to what I say is let the garden drive your diet. Right. Normally during the year you go to the grocery store, you buy your food and you've got a set diet and a a set sort of preferences for food. You know, during Mm -hmm. the winter we eat a lot of spaghetti. There's certain things we just like to eat. Yeah. This time of year, I really try to let the garden tell me what to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever's going on right now, I get a lot of green beans. So yeah. I'm eating green beans like crazy mm. and they're so fresh and they're so good. I, I don't really mind that I'm eating a lot of that. Right. I'm eating a lot of potatoes and I'm <laughs> beans and potatoes, right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of potatoes cause they're fresh out of the garden. A lot of my, a uh, good portion of my potatoes have stopped growing and they're just ready to eat. Yeah. Um, and I've got so many that it doesn't matter if I eat those ones now and save other ones for later. Right. Um, you know, I got carrots, I got to thin, so I'm eating a lot of carrots because I need to thin them out. Mm-hmm. I got so much kale that I got to keep cutting it to, you know, let in light and air for the remaining kale or it's going to get attacked by pests. So I'm eating tons of kale and I can just barely stay on uh, ahead of the production. Mm-hmm. I've got so much production in my garden. I can barely eat. And, you know, I got two young children. They don't, they hardly want to eat any of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's quite a you know a task to stay on top of it, but that's the beauty of, of when you have a garden is you, know, you get to this stage in the season and you're really letting it drive your diet and yeah. you just eat it's you eat so healthy mm, sounds right? good and you're practically vegetarian mm. um, you know we still eat I like to have steak and chicken and fish and everything else but right. I mean, I've got so much produce out there, and it's so much better than what I'm used to buying. Yeah. Um, and I put so much energy into getting it growing. I you have to eat it. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I mean, this is the time of year where you, if you're doing been doing this as long as I have, you start looking forward to certain dietary changes because certain things are just going to start being available to you. 
Yeah. Um, so it's 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 great to make that shift to be just eating all this fresh, super nice. fresh. I mean, it's fresh like you picked it an hour before you ate it. Yeah. You know, fresh produce, and you start coming up with different ways to to cook it and prepare it, and mm. um, it's it's just a wonderful stage of the the summer. Every time we talk, I get hungry. <laughs> mm. So uh, further to that, um, you know, if you can't keep up with the production in your garden, let's say you're getting too many beans, or you're getting too many pickling cucumbers, or you're getting too many, too much zucchini. Uh, if you're anything like, I always plant more zucchini than I need, and by this time of year, I've got zucchini coming out of my ears. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you do with all this stuff? Well, right. it's time to think about preserving, right? Canning. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't, generally speaking, I don't can my vegetables. That is to say, I don't preserve my vegetables in a canned way. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything I put in a mason jar, I pickle. Or it's either a pickle or a relish or a chutney or a jam. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have something that I want to keep as food, not a pickle or not a preserve, uh, I'll, I'll tend to freeze it. Mm-hmm. So for something like beans, it's really simple. I mean, you, you take your beans, you cut them up, you get a boiling water bath um, yeah. and with some salt, and you drop the beans in there for two minutes, not a second more. And then you get them out of that water and you put them in freezing cold water as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. And then uh, strain the water off of them once they've cooled, once all the heat's gone out of them. And put them on a dry uh, tea towel to get the water out. And then you spread those beans on a cook sheet Mm -hmm. and put it in your freezer. And just leave it in the freezer overnight. Yeah. And then the next day, you take them off the cookie sheet and put them in a bag. And when you do it that way, they don't stick together. Mm-hmm. So you can have a whole bunch of them in the bag, and when you want a handful, you can just jam your hand in the frozen bag of, you know, if 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 you just throw if you just threw them in a bag without freezing them first, they'd all freeze together in a solid mass. Yeah. So you'd have to bag up little small amounts of them, or uh, you know, braise, smash them with a sledgehammer or something yeah. to break them up. So when you do it that way, they're they're blanched, so they freeze properly, and they. We know when you when you when you use them for cooking, they they taste relatively fresh. Yeah. And also, when you freeze them like that in that cookie sheet technique, you can just take out, you know, if you want a cup for a stir fry or some sort of dish. Right. That's convenient. Um, but also, you know, with regard to canning and preserving and making relishes and so on, um, you know, I would recommend it can be overwhelming to have to do a big canning session. Right, mm-hmm. you're gonna get all the stuff out, and it's it's overwhelming if you look at all the traditional techniques of canning. Uh, I would suggest you go online, and you know, it might do a show on this later in the fall. But you know, I tend to can in a convenient way that works for me. So I'll can a jar here and a jar there, and there's there's recipes that will enable that. So you know, today I I made a, a quart of mustard beans, just one quart. Mm-hmm. Right, it took. Uh, I don't know, it took about 15, 20 minutes yeah. you know, to make a quart. It's not a big deal. You know, yeah. It's been a huge investment in time. I didn't have to like stop everything. Right. Bring all my relatives over and get an assembly line going. <laughs> you know, I just made a quart. It took yeah. like minutes and then I was done. And oh, look at that. Isn't that nice? You know, and I put that up in the pantry and 
you know, a couple of days from now when I get another bowl of beans and I've got too many beans, I'll maybe I'll make I like pickled beans as well. So I'll yeah. pickle some of them. I've got recipes where I can just do a quart or even even a pint at a time. Right. Um, so it's it's easier to just chip away at your at your preserves uh, a jar at a time because mm-hmm. you may or may not have you know um, it's best to preserve things when they're fresh and they're um, yeah at their best yeah so you know if I wanted to, to do a big canning session with with beans for instance uh, I wouldn't get enough in one day to right. can a whole bunch of fresh beans so I'd have to pick beans every couple of days and get a certain you know get a critical amount for canning and so i'd have four or five days worth of beans so i'd have some really fresh ones but other beans that weren't quite so fresh yeah which isn't the end of the world but i mean fresher everything is when you preserve it the better Mm. uh and it's also just not you know i don't know i can't speak for other people but i'm you know 44 and (laughs) yeah Sometimes it's just nice to break it up in little pieces like that. Sure. By the end of the season, I've got jar upon jar upon jar upon jar of preserves. Yeah. But I just sort of chipped away at it in little amounts. Um, nice. So that's another thing to do when you're getting um, overwhelmed with uh, – mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great problem to have. You're getting overwhelmed with production, overwhelmed with abundance. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So that – that uh, that puts this episode in the books. This was episode sixteen. Yep. We're trucking right along. We're 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 creeping up towards the end of our first season. Things are going really nice. Um, so yeah, if you want to uh, check out the show notes, follow along. Uh, just go to maritimegardening.com slash zero one six, and uh, again, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, Be sure to follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter if you're on there. And for those links, just go to maritimegardening.com. We appreciate you. And if you know anyone else who may uh, you you feel may benefit from this show, by all means, please uh, spread the good word. We appreciate it. So, anyway, Greg, great uh, as always. And um, I will catch you for the next episode. Thank you. All right, everybody, take care. Bye bye.